everyone's an expert in something. Well, don't believe me? Well, you should, because I won $7 playing Mets trivia. Fleetwit is a trivia app where it pays to know sports. Like, it actually pays. Challenge players in one-on-one trivia battles in over 250 different categories. Whether you're a sports fan or a Disney nut, there's something for everyone on Fleetwit. So try it now. Just enter the code PRESSROW at checkout for 20 free credits. You can't lose. It's all upside. Download Fleetwit from the App Store or go to fleetwit.com slash PRESSROW to start winning today. This episode of the Press Row Podcast is also brought to you by Franchise Hockey Manager 5. Yes, that's right. Out of the Park Developments has officially announced Franchise Hockey Manager 5. It ships worldwide on October 5th, 2018, just in time for the NHL season. But if you pre-order it today from OOTPdevelopments.com, you'll save 10% and get early access. So you'll save on the price of $39.99 and you'll get to play it early on October 1st, 2018. Franchise Hockey Manager 5 is loaded with all-new community-requested features, including things like dramatically improved tactics, an all-new interface, player and staff personalities, new team chemistry, accurate 2018-19 rosters, and online leagues make their return. We're so excited. If you go to OOTPdevelopments.com today and pre-order it, you can get it for just $35.99, a 10% discount off the full retail price. And as I said, if you pre-order, you'll get early access to the final version, the beta version of the game on October 1st, four days before the official October 5th release date. We are so excited for Franchise Hockey Manager 5. And by the way, check us out live on the NHL Network doing our official Franchise Hockey Manager 5 NHL season predictions. Who's going to win the divisions and who's going to win the Stanley Cup? Check it out on the NHL Network. But before then, go to otpdevelopments.com and pre-order Franchise Hockey Manager 5. Get 10% off and get early access. And if you're a Steam person, and there are lots of you who are, that's cool. You can also pre-order it. You'll get the 10% discount. But due to Steam policies, we can't uh, get you the early access. But that's cool either way. Once again, Franchise Hockey Manager 5. Just announced from Out of the Park Developments. It's our biggest, best hockey strategy game ever. We're so excited. Check it out. Enjoy the show. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Press Row Podcast. I'm your host this week, Rich Grisham. We have a really special show this week. It's a two-part podcast, two segments with two guys for whom I have a tremendous amount of respect, guys uh, who I've really followed for years and i'm very excited to have some in-depth conversations with two guys who have really been inspirational in that they started off uh, as fans just people who loved sports video games and created communities made content uh, rallied the community around each other and then they ultimately took their their hobbies or something they loved and turned it into their careers they both did it different ways and yet they both sort of arrived at really incredible influential places Uh, at different companies. Uh, We have two folks that are set up. First is Marcus Frisk from EA, who's one of their leading digital strategists. He joins us to talk about his journey, what he's doing today, and how he got there. And then up after that, we have uh, our good friend uh, from NBA 2K19, Nino Samuel, also known, excuse me, as the czar. He's been on the show many times before, but it's been a while. And I'm really glad we got him back on. And this is Marcus Frisk's first time being on the show. So I'm just really excited. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, this one's a, it's a bit of a long one, but uh, both of these guys are, are really tremendous and, and have a lot of good insight. And I think for people like me who love video games, you know, whether you're you know, uh, someone like me who's been around for a long time or you're just starting to get into this, 
listen to the stories they tell, listen to what they have to say, because it just proves that if you really want to do something, you put your mind to it, you can do it. So enjoy the next two segments, Marcus Frisk and Nino Samuel Dazar. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you for listening. As always, I'm so excited with our next guest. I have been following his exploits for years and have had brief conversations here and there, but have never had him on the show. And I'm finally writing that wrong. I'm very happy to welcome Marcus Frisk to the Press Row podcast. Mr. Frisk, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. And uh, when you say exploits, you make it sound like I'm doing bad things. <laughs> well, no, you're not doing bad things. Exploits to me is a good thing, right? Like, you know, if you hear about, yeah. you know, Todd Gurley's exploits on the football field, you know, he's making good things happen. So that's that's the context for that word. Yeah, I'm just I'm giving you a hard time. But <laughs> I, I, I do have to say, though, you know, you, you said you wanted to right the wrong of getting me on. I think you've asked me maybe two or three times over the last like, couple of years. And so uh, for whatever reason, uh, like it worked now. Um, but Good. before, uh, I think I was a little bit like, we'll talk about this later, but I was maybe a little bit more nervous. Um, I, I'm not really per- a person that likes to put myself out there. Like I, I'm really behind the scenes and a lot of what I do and the people that know me know me and the people that don't don't even know I exist. Uh, so, um, built up the courage though. So it's good to be on though. Well, first of all, thank you. Second of all, there's no reason to be nervous. I mean, you know, I'm a big goof, so, you know, there's, there's certainly nothing going on here other than just genuine sort of look for a conversation. But, you know, it's funny that you say that you sort of tend, you, you feel like you're almost more comfortable behind the scenes than in front of the scenes. But with what you do or what you have done and what you do, it's a really interesting mix because you you can power, you can put other people in great position to do things. But then also to some degree, you do have to take on some sort of a public persona. And you know that's part of, I think, you know, what, what I always found fascinating about what you do is that there is a an aura of mystery. Like there's a lot of your sort of videos and we'll, we'll get into the whole story of where you started and how you got here now, but there's a, in a lot of your videos. There's first of all, many of them, you know, it seems like when you want to, they can be incredibly slick and, and professionally done, but there's always this sort of sense of mystery to, to not always, but there's often a sense of mystery to them as, as in like, you know, your your nickname or, or your persona is M. Frisk, for example. So like that's both the play on your name, but it's also a persona. And then in the videos, sometimes there's there's like direct references to things, but a lot of times there's indirect. So it's interesting you say that because I've always sort as I've watched what you do, sometimes I'm like, wait, is who is this or what is this? So if that's what you're going for, you certainly pull that off really well. I I really don't though, and it, it's funny. You're like the third person to say that to me. Uh, I was actually uh, so every year we have this thing called a game changer university, where we have uh, you know a couple hundred of some of the kind of the top gaming creators uh, on the internet, like kind of come and hang out with us, and, and we kind of get to know each other, talk about uh, the future of our creator program and what we need to do better at and stuff like that. And every year I meet new people and, uh, it's funny that some people, like I said, know who I am and some have no idea. Uh, and this, this year is actually really funny because, uh, the whole mystery thing that you just said. Uh, so I've been talking to RBT, 
uh, who's a, a Madden creator for quite a while. Like I, I messaged him when he, I think he was at like 10 or 15,000 subscribers and had been kind of watching him and, and, you know, kept telling him like, Hey, you should come down to the studio or, you know, Hey, you should think about being a game changer. And eventually it worked out. And so this year, uh, he actually came to game changers, uh, university for the first time. And the very first thing he said to me, he was, he looked at me and he's like, man, you are so mysterious. I don't even know what to think about it. <laughs> and this was right after I got done speaking on stage to everybody. And, um, <laughs> and so like, I, to be honest, I don't even try to do that. I don't even know why that's the kind of the common response, but, uh, um, I certainly don't aim to, uh, I think it maybe is just part of who I am. Like I, uh, I keep a lot of things close to the chest. Uh, and I don't like to really put myself out there um, for a lot of different reasons. And and yet there's also like you've also done some really interesting things like with with your personal life and videos, I think, um, you know, and, and I don't know if it's if, if some of the things you've done, like, for example, I think, you know, when, when you 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 were sort of going through the, you know, when your, your first child was, I think, you know, not born, but, you know, that whole process of becoming a parent for the first time. I certainly remember seeing some of your videos featuring yourself and your wife and your in-laws and things like that. Very personal about your personal life, having nothing to do with, you know, your job or sports video games. Um, and, and there was always an element. I mean, it was never like, Hey, what's up, guys? It's Frisk. I'm here to talk about the birth of my child. Right? It was, it was always like sort of pictures on the beach and 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 things like that. But then there would be, you would clearly go into certain elements of, of your life where I'm like, wow, that's really fascinating that he's going there. Um, and then in like as we said in sort of other segments, you really just sort of have a very different persona. Like it is that just sort of an evolution of, of how you have gone about sort of maybe even memorializing certain things in your life so that maybe five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, your kids or your family might sort of be able to look back at that. You know, it, it's just, again, I, I, there's not really a specific question here. It's just interesting as I sort of see the different approaches you've taken to different things in your, in your life and what the content that you've created both personally and professionally. Uh, yeah, I, you characterized it like really well. Um, which, which tells me you've, do, you've done the homework. So I, I always, of course, appreciate that. Um, but, uh, I, I think it really comes down to me and this is like, I believe this, but I also believe, um, like it's, it's kind of something that everybody should kind of think about, which is, you know, if, uh, if you really like to do something and if you believe in something, um, there, there's always this pressure to do it the best you possibly can. And then you, you get fear of being judged and whatnot. Um, but oftentimes the things that stops you from actually accomplishing, uh, the goals that you set out for yourselves is, you know, is your own personal mind. Um, I mean, it, it, it's kind of funny. I say that not necessarily tongue in cheek, but, uh, you know, I just told you earlier about how, um, I lacked some confidence in putting myself out there, but that's all, you know, in my head. Uh, I used to hate my voice, but I had to speak at, on stages. I had to address people. I had to get people to want to work with me and follow me. Uh, and and speaking communication is a huge part of that. And so, 
it's been for me it's like a it's a journey of like personal growth and also um kind of just discovery uh because there there's there's where you want to be and, and then there's where you're at um and then trying to figure out what you need to do to get there and so it just so happens along the way that a lot of those like real personal videos that i made uh it comes across on the outside as you know, maybe just a, a cool video with no purpose. But to me, it's it's a dual purpose. It's something that I can look back on with my family forever. But it's also practice. I've been been practicing storytelling for 10 years uh, in all these different mediums, um, because that's that's what I aim to do to be one of the best storytellers out there. You can't do you can't learn without trying and doing things. Uh, and so to be honest, like creating videos, whether it be gaming, creating podcasts, or creating videos, even just about my family or where we go, um, is all just the, the, the journey, the process of becoming a better storyteller. Hmm. So let's talk a little bit. I, I want to go back. But before we go back, I want to talk a little bit about today, right now, fall 2018. You have been at EA for a number of years now. Six. Uh, you're, six years. Okay. And your role, you know, as far as I sort of understand it, is your role is as a senior manager of global community engagement. What does that mean? What is your day, your week, your month look like? Like wh what's your focus when you get up in the morning and you go to the, you go to the office, you know, what are the top two or three things that you've got going on on a regular basis? Sure. And this, uh, like I'm going to, and this goes to like being behind the scenes. Um, you know, it's good, good for you to ask. And uh, like I said, not many people kind of know exactly other than those that I work with uh, at work, but also, uh, my team, and then also the all the different like individuals within the community that I work with on a day to day basis. And so, uh, what it comes down to, um, like community engagement, is a very broad term. Um, it can mean anything from like feedback and helping make games better, all the way to like physically managing the community, the health of the community. And so. For me, the the in my team, what we focus on is a, a very important part of that community, which is those who create content. Uh, ba basically, if you if you really like take a step back and you think about it, some of the most healthy and powerful communities, the most healthy and powerful communities in the world, uh, they they create some of the best content that you could ever see. Uh, so much so that they become professionals themselves. And so my my goal, um, like not just as an individual, but like what my role is, is to do whatever it takes to help uh, creators get to point A to point B. Uh, and that could, everyone's on a different journey uh, in in their path. It's, you know, it's I like to characterize it into a few different things. Um, EA, we are a, obviously a corporate entity but uh we're we're you know have people that work behind ea and for ea uh, that do a lot of the things that you know everyone sees on a day-to-day -day basis and i think people forget that and they it's easy to hate on ea until you see the face of the person that made the game or wrote the copy or made the trailer or you know whatever it may be um and so i think the um game changers for example, has been 
uh, a way for EA to have a face with the gaming creator community, not just creator, but gaming, uh, uh, those that are passionate uh, in the games that uh, we make. Uh, but the, the uh, you know, I have a, a, you know, a partner in crime named Chris Mansell and his entire team is really focused on the feedback side. Uh, and so, you know, we, we've, over the course of the last six years, uh, we've made a pretty good habit of finding some of the, you know, the most uh, passionate and talented, uh, you know, members of, you know, leaders in the, the communities around games. And we've brought them inside the walls. Uh, like I, I actually said this at the Game Changer University um, that I you know, was talking about earlier in, in Los Angeles. I was sitting on the stage uh, next to Mark Price, Donnie Greenfield, Corey Andrus, Israel Cruz. Uh, and it was kind of funny. I had a moment of reflection. I was like, these guys were all you at one point, and now they work here because they wanted to be here. Uh, not because we forced them or, or pushed them to. And by the we, way, not to interrupt, but, you know, Corey was working at Out of the Park with me until he bailed on me to go to EA. So I'm still <laughs> upset about that. So just wanted to make sure I, I made that very public. Corey, I'm still upset by that. Thank you. Sorry about that. Go ahead, man. <laughs> it's, it, it's no worries. Yeah, I mean, I like I'll say I'll say this, though. I've known Corey for like eight years. And so... Not saying you saying uh, like you knew him first, but oh I've, no, I I was a pure stepping stone. I completely get that. I you know he used me. He he just used. No, I'm just kidding. I'm having fun with him. I love Corey. He, Corey's a great guy, <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, like I I've you know known what he's capable of uh, for quite a long time, and then you know we kept trying to find and get him to you know get a spot on the team, and then once he got in, boy did he get in, and he ran with it. Uh, and it's been really exciting to see, you know, kind of him and, and so many others, you know, Mark and Israel and Donnie and uh, there's others that I'm forgetting as well. Um, but that, you know, that's that's kind of the, the feedback side that I was talking about that Chris's team leads. Um, my team's on the on the creator side, which t Chris's team obviously plays a role with, too, because you have, you know, creators that also create content to improve the games like, you know, they wanted to deliver feedback to make the games better. Um, I, I mostly work with those that just create because they love it. Um, someone like myself uh, that um, likes to just make entertainment or to tell stories. Uh, and, and so what we focus on uh, is, is really, like you said, taking creators from A to B. Uh, but the ways we know we can do it um, is through access to things that they never could get before. Uh, exclusivity that others couldn't get. Uh, help that, you know, maybe they need to know what's the algorithm doing today or uh, how, what is the best tool to create thumbnails if I don't have Photoshop, like literally someone asked me that on Twitter the other day. Uh, then there's also connections. So connections to other creators, connections to, you know, the brands that they love. You know, we can connect the dots to, uh, you know, and otherwise knock down doors that just really... Um, you know, creators wouldn't be able to to kind of do without our help. Uh, and then once they get that momentum, you know, they're kind of off to the races. Uh, and then, of course, the last one, and I keep it last just because I think it's um, there's a lot of negative kind of thoughts around it. But 
money. We can help obviously creators get more money. And that's important to them sustaining the business. Entrepreneurship is something we take very seriously. And um, we're really trying to find ways to, to, you know, help creators do all, get all of those things to get exactly to where they want to be. Hey, I'm going to take just a minute here to real quickly thank uh, our one of our sponsors. Uh, this episode is sponsored by Nighthawk Pro Gaming from Netgear, which is rated 2018's top performing gaming router by PC Gamer and IGN. You know, there's no question that online gaming demands a stable and low latency connection. Running multiple connected devices will cause network congestion that most gateways simply can't handle. Switching your existing gateway or router to an XR500 gaming router is the easiest way to improve your online connectivity and online gaming experience with the biggest impact. The XR500 router, it creates an express lane just for your gaming to give you incredible speed and no lag. It is purpose-built to lower your ping, stabilize your connection, and help you game at incredible speeds. With this high-performance gaming router, you have, you have complete control of your gaming experience. You keep your game alive with features like geo-filtering, traffic prioritization, and device management. The Nighthawk Pro Gaming Router transforms your gaming experience and gives you the power to win. So don't compete with other online devices for bandwidth. Save the competition for the game. Visit netgear.com npg and learn how you can join the no-lag crew today. So I've got a, a couple dozen questions about everything you just said, but before we get to those, now let's take a step back, right? So you didn't just show up as, you know, the senior leader in, you know, sort of digital uh, community engagement, right? You took a path to get here. What What's the, the background? What, how did you get into this gig? Is this something that you wanted to do? Like, did you set a goal to have sort of this role or did, did it sort of evolve? And, and what, what, sort of path did you take uh, when you when you began your your you know your career yeah um so i think uh not a lot of people know this but um some of my closest friends and uh the creator community and and a lot of game changers uh they know that i'm kind of like the og game changer i was one of the first uh, and i was the first to get hired on the community team uh, and so once I, you know, Justin Duell, who was actually the lead community manager for Madden at the time, um, you know, he offered me, you know, a position, which he didn't think I would take because I was working in sports marketing, um, you know, for a company that worked with StubHub and Ticket Network uh, that, you know, in the, in the more B2B ticket industry, um, you know, and I had to kind of move um, across the United States down to Florida um, but I accepted it because I thought it got closer to what, you know, what I want to do, what I loved, which was uh, making things. Um, back in, in college, I went to the University of Northern Iowa and uh, uh, went and graduated uh, in their electronic media department, which is comparable to film, uh, and then uh, minor in marketing uh, and so, like, my entire life has been around making things. Um, while I was in college, I actually, uh, myself and a friend of mine, uh, well, actually, two, three friends of mine, we formed a, a hip-hop group called Schooled Life. Um, and we got actually pretty popular in the Midwest and played shows. Like, we opened up for J. Cole and Big nice. Crit and played with Time Flies and you know, MGK and just so many random 
hmm. uh, rappers that were on their rise and we opened up for them. Uh, and that was the first time where I got to combine my love for creating and my love of music with uh, like this kind of video, like actually applying my degree, if you will, to something that people could see. And those videos still exist like on the internet today. Uh, every now and then I like to joke with um, people around me and just send them around. And, and uh, <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just kind of funny. It's, it's actually like, I you know, you, you know, when you like, see pictures and videos and stuff and you're like, oh man, like, oh, that was so bad. Like that's so yes. crazy. Yes. Uh, I will honestly say these are not it. Like <laughs> I, I go back and listen and watch and maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think I am. I think we had an incredible thing going we just didn't see it through because we were too early. This was like 2007. Uh, we were too early in the age of the music entrepreneur that could match video and music together. Mm. Yeah. Well, not that early, right? I mean, probably just a couple, two or three years too early, right? Because that's how everything is done now. Well, we were measuring our success on something different. We were like, oh, we're, are these music blogs covering us? Uh, why aren't we booking more shows? Why aren't we getting more music sales? Uh, why isn't our SoundCloud growing? But we were making videos and they were getting, you know, tens, 20,000 views back then on YouTube. And we didn't see that as success because we didn't have anything to benchmark it mm. on. Okay. So it, didn't, it didn't feel successful. And so that was one of the first lessons I learned about uh, not paying attention to numbers because numbers don't really mean anything when you're going through it. It only really matters kind of when you look back. Um, and, and the numbers aren't even numbers, really. It's just, they're people that, you know, there's a person behind each number. And it's too easy to get caught up in views and listens. Um, but if you start thinking about it as like people that you can actually impact on a day-to-day -day basis, it, it really re-motivates you and changes your perspective. You know, that's an amazing point. I, um, I've always, you know, when, when people and people ask me regularly about podcasts, you know, we've been doing this show for a long time and they're like, oh, you know, I'm only getting four or 500 downloads or something like that. They'll say to me, I'd be like, well, here's how I've always thought about it. No matter what you do, uh, think of you walk into a room and there's 500 people there waiting to hear what you have to say. That's an amazing thing, right? As opposed yeah. to, oh, I only got four or 500 downloads, which, you know, to some people would be great, but to, to some people is terrible. Like, I, I always try to put it in that perspective. Uh, you know, it's funny, the, the Press for Podcast, you know, we're close to 4 million downloads since the beginning. Uh, and incredible. We, it is, it's, it's unbelievable. And that's all because of everybody that has contributed to it from the very beginning. And there's too many people to list right here. But like when we go to PAX East and we've done our panels in the past, there might be, I don't know, a couple hundred people in the room at the most. And in some of those places, 200 people doesn't look like that much. And PAX East is not really exactly your, uh, your sports, uh, sports video game crowd. But the, after you get up and you do your thing and then, you know, a dozen people come up to you and say, oh, you know, I'm so glad you did this. I've been listening to your show forever or, you know, tell Owen good, you know, he's crazy or, you know, it, make sure you, you let TJ know that, you know, he, he's got to get back and start doing some more MLB the show or like whatever they're saying to you, you just realize like, wow, for some reason, this person decided to spend 45 minutes listening to me 
and and cares what I have to say. Like that's an amazing thing. Whether it's you know five people or a hundred people or or a hundred thousand people, it, it's 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 such a cool thing that is really only you can only do now. You couldn't do it twenty or thirty years ago, right? So it's it's such a cool thing. Yeah, it's um like it's like I I think about that all the time, and and it, it's kind of weird. The I think that's what helped me along the way because I, I was able to compartmentalize the this idea in my head, which was progress, which was I'm holding myself accountable to uh, like actual like like growing like significantly exponentially. But when you like I said, when you compartmentalize that and you put it to the side and you think about it a different way, like I'm practicing, I'm trying to get better. This is, this is me trying to, what if I were to make a video and never put it up that there's no difference than that, than this. And also I'm creating this grand documentary of my life that one day, um, this will all still exist in, in the internet, hopefully if nothing crazy happens, but it'll all still exist. And one day I'll be able to, you know, point to my grandkids or whatever like here's here's what i did here's what i was yeah. thinking yeah and that to me is like the that to me is like the the biggest draw which is um i i i can have a, a create my own documentary uh not looking back but living in the moment um and then have it kind of be there um you know when i'm dead and gone so from the early days when you started sort of creating this content, what, what sort of led you to, well, how did EA and, and Justin, how did they find you and, and sort of what was that, what was that process like? Uh, well, so at the time I was, uh, and I joke about this with uh, Mills, by the way, uh, but uh, so I was a free Never heard of him. Don't, don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> uh, I was a frequent... Uh, uh, like visitor of Operation Sports. Um, there's, uh, I mean, you know, at the time, like, you know, the, of course, Brian was person um, that, you know, I'd yep. frequent his content and he mm -hmm. had a nice little discussion always underneath his, his blogs. Um, there's, uh, you know, you know, Millennium was just like a forum mod at the time. Uh, and then there's some other guys like Danimal and of course, Steve OS and, you know, Chase Beacott. And so, uh, of course, Mark Price was around. and All and good friends of the show. Every single one of those guys yeah. has been on the show, and some of them multiple times. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I kind of like started to become like a known person um, on Operation Sports and uh, Tradition Sports online. Uh, and I don't really know why. Like I, I look back at it now, and I was talking to a drifter, uh, Ronnie Hurst, who who um, like is a good friend of mine that I met through Tradition Sports Online, and like we were trying to like retrack like the steps of like how we even got there, and um, you know Sean Mason, who also uh, is like a co-owner with Ronnie uh, of Tradition Sports Online, uh, him him the two of them were down for like a Madden feedback event I think uh, like a few months ago, uh, well a long a month ago. Uh, this year. And um, it's funny, we know we I had them come over to my house and, and, you know, me and my wife cooked dinner and they got to hang out with my daughter. And they were like, 
they're like, there's so many legends, like true legends in the sports gaming community that at the time you don't really realize it because yep. they're, they're just screen names. Like they're just like wherever. But if you look back on it now, like we were just like, man, it's crazy to think that all of those people that are in, you know, different stages in their life right now doing really incredible things um, all were in like one little circle. Um, so it's a, it's really, it's it really cool to think about because it's like, uh, you know, I, I believe in uh, the whole idea of, you know, surrounding your people, you know, surrounding yourself with the people that are going to help you take yourself mm -hmm. to the next level. And and I definitely feel like I've been offended from that because um, I was in good company constantly. And so you you sort of began at EA. Was was your role now? Uh, was your role then the same as it is now? Has it changed? Because one of the things that I think we've all recognized is that the way that that sports games in particular uh, are sort of covered and uh, the way that they're covered and, and viewed is completely different now than it was five, ten years ago, right? Now, obviously, I'm not talking about, like, Operation Sports is still there and, and does its thing, and Brian does Pasta Padre and, and his thing, and this show's been around for a long time, but there's so much more importance placed in the, uh, in, in the hands of, you know, creators and, and the community, uh, you know, so much to where I think for the most part, quote unquote, mainstream press just isn't really part of the equation anymore because it doesn't need to be because so many more people can can discover things in, in different ways. So like, is that, is what I'm saying true? Is that sort of your view or, or is it really sort of just an addendum and, and you know, sort of what, what is, what is sort of stay the same and what's evolved related to all of that and how you communicate and sort of curate your community and how you try to get info out there? Uh, yeah, I kind of, I see what you're saying, but uh, like, I'll say by no means, uh, like, do I believe or whatever say that like press and learn media is dead or is dying. Uh, they just have to adapt to what the game is a little bit. And, and many have, uh, it's, it's shifting more to video and voice as opposed to written, just, just the way it is. I mean, I've seen, yep like video essays kind of boom out of nowhere. And like, there's some really compelling creators out there that write 10,000 word mm -hmm. video essays that are, could be a review or could be, you know, a formal piece that's printed in Game Informer, but they choose to self-produce and self-release. Uh, I mean, I was listening, this isn't really the sports world, but I was, so, you know, Ralph with Skill Up, he produces a like a proper long form review of um, you know all the biggest games, uh, and he gives a lot of criticism to to us, but it, you know it's warranted. Um, but he just put up this Destiny Two review, and it is incredible. Uh, he actually had uh, a graphic artist um, take his script and make it into a like ten p ten page um, like all like behind and like. I was mad and I was like, like this could be an insert into like just about every magazine out there that's it talks about gaming and mm. it is it is very well comprised, um, you know, very well researched. 
uh, and so many people act and it's hard to as a entrepreneur individual sorry it's not hard it was hard as a entrepreneur to self produce uh, and release mm -hmm. uh, and so you needed the power of an entity or a, a distributor uh, or you know to be a contributor um, but now the power is you know turn to entrepreneurship and so these these entities these you know these media outlets need to kind of change um like the 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 type of content they put out uh and the volume at which they put it out as well and then it, it's really tough these days as well to do everything like you have to choose a niche and even within your niche you have to choose a niche like there's some people that you know, hate franchise mode and all they play is ultimate team. There's some people that love basketball and football, but hate hockey and, you know, American football. And so you, you, it's really hard to create a true community and audience around a, a media property these days. And so I think about some of the best that I know of uh, are the ones that, that kind of do it intentionally. You know, you think about, um, I can't remember their exact name, um, but they have all these different divisions um, of, uh, like, I think it's called Tastely, is it? I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I can look that up. <laughs> here, I'm trying to see here. And, you know, let me, let me also, I want to make sure that, that I'm clear. Like, I'm, I wasn't suggesting that the, the press is dead far from it. Heck, this is called the Press Road Podcast, and some of our best friends are, you know, like Cat Bailey, who the chief or editor-in-chief of, uh, of U.S. Gamer, Matt Cato from Game Informer, and obviously Owen and Summit from Polygon. But I, I think what, I, what I'm, I'm saying is, unlike, say, five or ten years ago, where uh, – you know, if you're, you know, getting ready for your Madden or your NBA Live sort of marketing run, you know, the, you had to to get to them. And that was a big part of it. Whereas now, you know, there are f fewer of those outlets that are out there that are writing about uh, Madden or writing about NBA or writing about it because by virtue of what, we, what you're talking about, right? Like the, the, Sort of, you know, you can't do everything, right? So you don't have sort of, I remember, you know, years and years ago, GameSpot and IGN had sports video game, you know, sections and podcasts and writers. And now they really just kind of freelance it out because that's not what drives their traffic. But yet Kat Bailey, US Gamer, does a tremendous job writing sports content because she's a big sports video game fan. And she's sort of got an audience for that, right? So, it, yeah, I, I didn't, I'm not trying to get on the, the press is dead train, but it's definitely a lot different these days as far as what sort of mainstream press you want to go to and how you balance that with with your content creators and i gotta imagine that's a almost a daily you know not struggle that's not the right word but it's almost a daily conversation that you must be either having with yourself or the people that you you work with on, on sort of how to approach and how to get the message out to the to you know the widest amount of people because ultimately at the end of the day that's a, what you're trying to do is make the most people know about all the great stuff that you're doing so the so re, yes, reach is important. Um, you know, it's it's obviously a metric to measure success. But uh, like to me, and and this is something that we talk about. We do talk about this internally. Uh, it's about authenticity more than reach. And so, for example, you know, like Cat, like we we love Cat. Like she plays Madden. Like she like is actually really good at Madden. And she. Like, 
is <laughs> really good. You talk about authentic. There's no one more authentic than Cat Bailey when it comes to you know her love of and frustration with sports video games and her ability to kick your butt. Oh my gosh, she's too good. Too good. Yeah. And, and so you know, like someone like her, like you know, there there's never a thought of like it, it would not be a good decision to work with her. Like it certainly is because you know her love for the game. Uh, you know, of course, her the integrity, the way she carries herself, like her like capabilities and the way that she articulates, you know, her point of view. It's um, you know, it, it it's like it, it's trying to find those types of situations where you've got like like ultimate capability, ultimate passion, and then authentically wants to create and talk about uh, said product. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen, you know, with press, but I will say that in the, you know, the YouTube space uh, that you find those people all the time. It, it, there's really a, it's really a question that we have and something that my team focuses on. It's who is like, okay, this, you know, QJB, who's the next QJB? Okay, it's KKS. Okay, who's the next KKS? Oh, it's your boy Pizza. Okay, who's the next your boy pizza? Like there's always right. someone else that is that has ultimate capability, great personality, you know, that creates that level of authenticity, is passionate and can do things a little bit different than others around them. Uh, and so um, I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time just looking at the entire landscape of those that are creating anything about uh, our games, and so often is it someone that I've never heard of that starts coming out of nowhere that kind of gets on my radar. Uh, and so, uh, one thing that 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 we do, and something that we t we, we talk about a lot, specifically my team, um, we are trying to find uh, who has the talent, who has the passion, the creativity, uh, and it's only a matter of time. Maybe they have every all of the pieces to the puzzle except for awareness. Like people have no idea who they are, but they create amazing stuff. Uh, like I think about Shady in in the basketball community. He was one of those people. He made incredible stuff, but his his content was so overpowering that people thought it was actually 2K that was making it and not someone that didn't work there. And then over time, he started to put himself out there more, started to get more involved. Um, and, you know, he's, you know, he's, he's, a, he, he's a known personality now, at least by you know, the, the sports gaming space. But it wasn't always like that. What makes a great content creator? Like you say, once people start to get on your radar, you know, you, 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 how does someone get on your radar? What are the traits that you look for? Uh, to to think about maybe starting to reach out and and to to potentially I don't know if recruit is the right word but certainly start conversations with people and perhaps put them in the position to do the things that you've been talking about and succeed. Um, it, it's funny you use the word recruit because uh, I kind of use this joke internally a little bit. Uh, not a joke. It's more of just a, like symbolic because uh, like some of our our. Um, you know, there, there, I'll be honest, there are a lot of people at EA that aren't familiar with the world of social or even the world of YouTube and creators and, and why we do what we do or how we do it. 
Uh, and so, you know, symbolically, what I've kind of told them, I said, you know what? Uh, me and my team, we are a baseball organization. We are a scouting organization. Uh, the majors is, you know, the millions of subscribers and the hundreds of millions of views. Um, we're looking at high school, single A, double A, triple A players out there to try and analyze and think about who has the potential to go from where they're at to a, that glass ceiling of where they want to be. Um, and, you know, you asked a question of like, how do you determine that? Um, there's no like defined format or, or like algorithm that'll tell you exactly. Uh, but the, the main thing that we look for um, is the, like I said, the, the authenticity um, because it, it, it's kind of what people look for. Like uh, there are people who uh, maybe create really, really good content, but if it isn't even something that they're passionate about, like people can see through that. Um, that's why you see so much. You see people that have like grainy web, web cameras and maybe uh, don't edit, but just rabid fan bases because people love their personality. They love to see the passion in their voice and in their ears or uh, in their eyes. And, you know, they kind of hear it in their ears. Um, and, you know, that that excites them. It's um, it's funny. Everyone tunes in selfishly. Like everyone is selfish for one, some way, shape, or form. And um, a lot of people tune in because they want to interact with another person. Some people want to be helped because they want to get better at the game that they're playing. Uh, there are others who uh, feel like maybe a creator fills a hole in themselves that maybe uh, you know they don't. You know that that's there uh, otherwise. Uh, and some are just kind of looking to escape. Uh, and, and so I think the, the knowing that, like know, empathetically, like knowing how people approach who they follow, uh, putting all those things together, uh, I, like I said before, I think it's um, people with an authentic personality that truly does love what they're doing, uh, that perseveres most flaws that someone could have in, in what type of content they make. YouTube is a place for amateur craftsmanship. It's celebrated. Uh, it's a meritocracy. The people decide what's good, not anything else. And so uh, that's kind of the the, more, the you know the little things that we look for to to kind of understand um, maybe you know who has it and who's who doesn't. With that comes a lot of risk, of course, too, right? Because if you're somebody who is an employee of your organization and you're producing content, that's a very different relationship to that content than someone who could be, you know, a game changer or somebody who could just be sort of on the fringes. You know, for for example, for out of the park baseball, uh, you know, I am I, there's I, I give a tremendous amount of freedom to our content creators, but the guys who work for out of the park, there's one rule. And that rule is, you know, we have to be family friendly, right? Like I want the out of the park baseball you know, community, the Twitch community, the, the YouTube community. I want, I'm a dad. I have a, an 11 year old son. I want to be able to watch that and listen to that. Um, you know, in a, in a G slash PG at the most related kind of a, of a situation, right? Because I just, that's just how I am, but that's the kind of content that I want us to create because 
I just think that that's the right thing to do. I'm not suggesting that people who don't create, you know, or people that sort of go into, you know, the language, the R-rated language and stuff is bad. I'm just saying that's not what I want out of the park baseball to represent. With something like EA and and you know, the different games, it's it's such a broader group of people. You know, th- there's a lot of potential risks that you have with the content that gets created. How how do you sort of balance or or manage that or is it, you know what, this is YouTube, this is Twitch, it's the Wild West, this is just how it is right now. I'm curious what your approach is with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, there's there's um, guidelines, uh, there's brand values that we have, and, and the real answer is uh, those that we pull into Game Changers, or uh, pull is probably not the right word, but, um, you know, invite or at least, uh, you know, work with. To, to see if there's interest in partnering. Um, you, uh, there's just some people that like we won't we won't engage or we won't uh, invite because they don't uphold um, kind of what you're talking about, some of those values. Um, and so we actually do spend a lot of time talking about our brand guidelines and we have a blueprint for that. Um, so to be honest, on, on our side, it's actually really easy. Because if there's someone that, you know, like I said, we're minor, if we're a baseball scouting organization, you know, we're a scout organization and we put someone on the watch list and we watch them and they start to break some of those rules, uh, they quickly get left for that list before they even know we're watching. Um, And on the other side of it, um, once, uh, you know, someone's in and maybe they start to change, Uh, That's a discussion that we have, Mm -hmm. and it's a real honest discussion, which is, you know, hey, we we love what you do, love who you are. Um, We may be friends, but um, this is a, you know, this is a situation where, you know, like our our brands don't align, and it's a very, very, like, focused conversation that's not about the value of them as an individual. It's not about their content. It's not about... Um, like who they are as a person. It's just some of the differences in the way that EA believes versus uh, what they believe. Uh, And there are people like that. There are people who have been game changers and are not now. Uh, The hardest thing about it is that the relationship, where it goes from there. Um, Because the, the often response is to be very upset with EA as a brand for turning their back uh on them uh and i wish it didn't have to be like that and and but it's a um you know it's it's a necessity unfortunately uh but we do our best as we can to prevent it from ever getting there but people do change um there are people who we've worked with a lot that have then started to promote coins or sell coins or you know say certain things and uh we've had to split ties and walk away and we've been very upfront and honest about that. Uh, and neither it's a positive reaction or it's a negative one. Um, that's not something that we can really control other than just act about, act it, you know, go, go about it professionally. You know, one of the, one of the best lessons I've learned in my career is, is if you set expectations, then for the most part, things are going to work out well. It sounds like you guys do a good job of setting the expectations with the guidelines. Here's how. You know, if you want to be in the program, we'd love to have you in here. 
guidelines. And if you get out of those guidelines, I can understand sometimes people are like, well, you don't understand. I, you know, this is that. But, you know, if, if it's there, if it's black and white and it's clear, you know, that that's that's the best way to put yourself in in good position. Interesting. So let's take a little bit of a left turn. What's your favorite content to create? Like if, if, if you're just, you know, you're kicking back wife and daughter are in bed, you, you, you're just, you got a couple hours to kill. Like what's your favorite thing to do as we speak here in the fall of 2018? Like favorite, uh, is it create or watch or what do you? Uh... Well, let's, let's say both. What's your favorite to create and what's your favorite to watch? Um, my ex, so my favorite thing to create is um, I love uh, doing, so I actually have to give you some context here. Um, my favorite movie of all time is Wally. Oh, I, such a great, great when I tell, movie. When I tell people that, they either laugh or they give the reaction that you just gave. Um, and those that laugh, they see it as this movie for kids. Um, but the way I see it is a masterpiece in storytelling. Um, because what other film do you know that for the first 45 minutes, there can literally be no words? No dialogue no dialogue and you are fully immersed you're in it yep you know what's going on yep and you feel, already feel connected to the characters and so that's for the me, only one it's the only I, one i can think of. I, there's i'm sure there's some out there and like you know film buffs out there are gonna be like well what about this frisk and i'm okay with that i'm i'm not a film buff i'm not like a nerd writer i have appreciation for film because of uh, storytelling, but not the the craftsmanship of all every movie that's been out there. Um, so anyway, so anyways, uh, so my favorite thing to create because it's the most challenging for me, and in, in I think it is for many creators out there, it's to create something with no dialogue. And so I have a regular piece uh, that I kind of create, and I call them cinematic vlogs. And the whole aim is for me to tell a story um, using nothing but music and uh, visuals. Uh, and so I do it, you know, like once a month. And I, I it takes those take me like eight hours to make because I believe it. I, I go through all the footage and I try and find the perfect frames that will hopefully string you along to think certain things. Um, and it's like I said, it's tough, and I know I'm not the best at it, but uh, you know, to me, that's that's the funnest thing to make. That's those are actually the videos I like to watch most. One where I can just sit in my chair and just kind of zone out and just feel like I'm being carried away on some ride through someone else's life, and and never have to hear them say a word. Love it. So before I let you get out of here, if and 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 I'm sure you get these questions a lot and and you've probably, you know, given the answer thousands of times. But if somebody wants to do what you do, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, um, I, I would say work the job that you want, not the one you have. Um, I've that's the story of my life. Uh, everything that I've been able to turn into a career wasn't a career before I made it one. Um, whether it be trying to do music, trying to do films, 
um, you know, working at EA. And then when I got to EA, they're like, you know, if someone would have told me back then, yeah, one day there's going to be a, you're going to lead a team that is responsible for uh, growing a creator community. I would have been like, really? <laughs> but I would have got it, but I wouldn't have known it was possible. Um, but I, along the way, I, I realized that there was an opportunity because I was thinking to myself, I'm watching my friends that I created with, that I've met, that I've talked to in Operation Sports and others. I'm watching them blow up before my eyes and no one sees this, but maybe those that are in it. And so I just started to do it. Like I, I just started to preach it and talk about it and wouldn't accept no for an answer. Uh, so many times people, like everyone wants to tell them what they can't do, um, but those that get things done are the ones that are stubborn and crazy enough to believe that they can do it. Uh, it's that kind of, uh, you know, that, that, that Einstein adage um, about crazy is doing the same thing over and over and over and thinking you're going to get different results. Um, I actually believe it's true mm. um, because doing it over and over, you figure out how to do it better and you change it organically because you f find your losses and create new successes. And that success is generated through repetition. And who's to say you're ready to, for any job unless you've already been doing it for you know, days, years. Uh, and so if you wanna do what I'm doing, um, you just start doing it now. Like I was talking to uh, a guy named Corey, who's a current game changer right now. And he actually uh, wants to, he's like in the space too. Like he's wanting to work with influencers and, you know, he's talking to me like, Hey, how do I, how do I do this and that? And, you know, I, I basically was like, you know, that there's a, I get about 20 questions a day from very big creators who are, who don't know how to do many things. Like, I don't know how much I'm worth. How do I do right? Like, can you look at this contract for me? Uh, how do I get my channel bigger and better on YouTube? What do you think about this? Uh, and so if you can become a resource there, you naturally just kind of fill the role uh, and then it's yours. But to say you want it and you don't know how to do all those things is basically just like saying you want to be a professional, like me saying I want to be a professional football player. Like I might be able to get out in the field, but I'm not going to succeed. Uh, so it's no different in business. I hear that. Well, Marcus Frisk, first of all, well, not first of all, but uh, before I, I but before we uh, we say goodbye, where can people find you? What's the best way for for people to follow what you do? Uh, I think um, I, probably the easiest way is just Twitter. Uh, it's at Marcus M A R K U S F R I E S K E. Um, I think um, I have a like way too many other channels. So I joke about how many <laughs> I have. TJ actually got mad at me before this. He was like, "Bro, pick a channel." Messing <laughs> another one. Um, so I'm not going to say all the other ones because it just get complicated. But that's the main. That's the one I'm on most. Like, I I I don't know. I like Twitter most because I'm I like to be very conversational. Mm. Um, and I'll, you know, I'll post content on there if I feel like it's worthy of sharing or I'll link out to my other 
social channels, but for the most part, um, I'm, I'm there to, to kind of talk, uh, and I'm always watching and listening and trying to find ways that I could help people. And so if you need help, don't be afraid to ask. Uh, I'm always trying to find a way to help. One of the, another one of the great lessons I've learned in my life is just ask because the, the worst thing that can happen is somebody will say no. And the best thing that will happen is somebody will say yes, right? And this conversation we're having right here is a great example of that. I asked and you graciously said yes, and here we are. I could go on and on and on, so I won't, but I will say, can we have you come back on again sometime in the not too distant future and continue this conversation? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think, um, I mean, clearly, like I'm, uh, I have a lot to say. Uh, uh, I, I, the funny thing is I don't like to talk. I'm not like a big talker. I'm a I'm going to think first for a very long time and then say something. Uh, but you're getting the passionate side of me. And I'm saying a lot of things that I say on a day-to-day basis uh, internally to my team, to people that don't understand, to others that that maybe think that they have an opportunity, but they just won't act. Um, and there's no better time to act than, than now. Um, you know, because one day you look back and you'll kind of regret uh, because the time has passed and things have changed and it all feel like missed opportunity. So if more people would think a little bit before they said some things, we would be in a lot better place. So I'm glad that you do that. I like to think that I do some of that, too. But uh, truth for me is probably somewhere in the middle. You know what they say? The most creative people in the world are the ones that uh, speak last. Mm, I like it. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna write that down. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on. Let's do this again soon. And again, yeah. Marcus Frisk, uh, the uh, the senior manager of global community engagement. It's a title, but clearly, you're really you're you're a guy who makes a lot of things happen. And even better, you put a lot of people in position to be successful. Thank you for coming on the show. Let's do th- do this again soon. We appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, Rich. All right. Well, hey, everybody. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Press Room Podcast. I'm so excited because our good friend is back. I don't know what happened that we haven't had him on. Man, a couple, two or three years ago, I was bothering this guy so much. I was like, hey, let's make videos. Teach me how to play the game. Hey, come on the show. Hey, do this, do that. And then, you know, life goes on and things happen. But all of those all of those problems are solved. One of my favorite people in the world is back on the show from NBA 2K19, Simply Desar, Mr. Czar, thank you. Welcome back to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Rich. Man, after that introduction, I, I see that you received my payment that I sent to you. <laughs> PayPal. <laughs> so, it's a pleasure to be here, sir. I mean, most to most of you listeners, he needs no introduction. But for those few of you who don't know who he is, and I feel for you, but we're going to fix that right now. Uh, he is Dazar. He is a uh, gameplay producer. Is that the right title for your role? At That's it. That'll do. That'll uh, do. But even before taking the reins for now, at least a couple, two, maybe three full years at uh, NBA 2K, he was known throughout the sports gaming community as the president of Sim Nation. He is still the president of Sim Nation, just like anybody <laughs> trying to make a living in 2018, we all got two, three, or four jobs, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> and he has been at 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 this game, meaning he his his one of his 
Life's goals has been to improve basketball video gaming. And sir, I credit you for doing exactly that. I cannot ever remember a time where there has been such a incredibly high quality offering. And, I, and look, I've loved basketball games as you have forever. Uh, there's lots and lots and lots of great basketball games. But my goodness, what you and OG and Mike Wang and the guys at NBA 2K have done with NBA 2K19 from a gameplay perspective is great. Do you sort of see this as like kind of a culmination of a lot of the stuff that, that you did when you started back in the community and, and you know creating communities and making videos and doing commentary, what, 15, 20 years ago, something like that? Yes, it's been, it's been quite some time, Rich. And you know what? I, I, I would hesitate to say culmination because I see so much more out there for us. Uh, first off, I do want to say that, you know, in, at, at 2K, we have a tremendous team. Everybody on the production side, the engineering side, they're all driven. They're all awesome to work with. And so it's certainly not an individual effort. But I will say that the vision that I had for at least the offensive side of AI and how the game could play and what a user would be able to do, we are starting to see that kind of come together. Uh, when, I, when I first got in, you know, you're learning systems, you're trying to do stuff. And I, I feel like I'm at a different level now with, with my designs, with my implementations. And that's due, of course, to the, the fantastic team that I work with, with Mike, uh, Jerson, Jesse, Zach. You know, these guys have a lot of experience and they're always there to, to answer questions or to, to have you help you bounce ideas off of them. But, uh, yeah, I, I feel really good about the state of the game right now, Rich. So let's stay on the game right now. We're going to go back in time a little bit. But before we do that, uh, let's, let's stay with, with, with the game. NBA 2K19, there's a bunch of ways that I'm playing it uh, right now. I've focused mostly on my career. Uh, but I want, I, one of the things I wanted to, to do with you tonight was, help you, was have you help me pick a team to run my franchise with. Because I'm an old school franchise guy, like you are, right? You're the yes. franchise guy. That's your thing. Uh, but... Uh, if I'm, you know, just picking up this game, and a lot of people, right? You guys sold more copies of 2K18 than any game before, right? So you got to believe that 2K19 is going to sell a bunch more too. There's some newcomers. If I'm a newcomer, and I just start playing five-on-five -five basketball, I pick my favorite team. What are two or three or four things that you would tell me to do, just when I pick up the controller and start playing this game five-on-five? Oh, great question, Rich. The first thing that I would ask you to do is turn on, go into the coach settings and turn on the play art. The play art really gives you an idea of what your AI teammates are trying to do, what they're going to do, how they're working with you. And if you you're not if you're new to basketball or if it's been a while since you played a basketball game, play art being on is it, it, it's like night and day as far as understanding where you should be and what's going on out there on the floor. The second thing I would ask you to turn on is the offensive and defensive communication. These are that's a brilliant thing OG and his team came up with with putting a box over the AI player's head and they'll tell you things like switch a screen or 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 I'm open or isolate you know they're just giving you all these little tips on things that the AI is recognizing that they're communicating to you and I think if you did those two things alone it would drastically improve your ability to score your ability to defend and your ability to uh, enjoy the game well those are that's excellent advice if I'm 
do I really need, and this is a silly question, but I'm going to say, do I really need to play the game differently based upon what team I take? Or can I, are there some principles, some offensive principles especially? Because, you know, that's where I, I, I really struggle. Like last year, I took the Wizards as my franchise team in my GM, which was spectacular with the crazy owner and all that stuff. I love <laughs> yes. that. Right? Uh, won a title. And then decided I was going to take the Sixers after that and try to, to, to play some with them. Uh, what I did with the Sixers was because I had been playing, you know, my GM for probably three or four months. It was like March or April. So I did the cool feature, which is start, you know, my GM right now in March or April. Nice. I picked them up and I ran for the rest of the season. I had tremendous success with the Wizards doing what you taught me to do a couple, two, three years ago, which is a lot of pick and roll. Right. And a lot yes. of, you know, rotation and just, you know, find the open guy and let him shoot. But, but the Sixers are so different than the Wizards. I tried to do the same. I didn't try to do the same thing, just like muscle memory. I was doing the same thing and I was a disaster. So, like, what are some principles, some offensive principles that are perhaps universal? And then maybe you can point out a couple of things that, oh, well, if you're this team, this is what you do want to do. Or if you're that kind of a team, that this is what you want to do. All right, Rich, in general. What you want to do is get it, and this is going to sound really simple, but when you got 10 players on the floor, that's when it becomes a little difficult, is you want to take good shots. And what's a good shot for you? These are shots that you can get. If it's out of the pick and roll, if that's how you generate your best open shots, that's what you want to do. If it's uh, some people like to run a simple play or two to get a person in a particular position, then that's what you want to do. You want to avoid taking terrible, heavily contested shots. You want the majority of your shots to be open or, or lightly contested shots. That's just in general. And then conversely, on the defensive side, you want to make sure that the AI is not allowed to take easy open shots. You never want to leave them open. You want to try to get all of your your all of the AI shots to be what we call heavily contested. And what that's going to do for you is over time, the percentages are going to work in your favor. So that doesn't mean you'll make every open shot, but you're going to make a lot more open shots than you are heavily contested shots. So that's just in general. Then what you, the other thing that I, I suggest that people do, and I know this is just it's kind of a hardcore thing, but kind of not, is just look at the stats and ratings and tendencies of your players. And you want to identify one or two guys that you think, hey, the, these two guys are our studs on the offensive side of the ball. And then you just want to focus most of your offense through them, especially if you're, you're fresh, new playing the game. So if you're playing with the Rockets, right, you don't want to pick somebody who's the 12th man on the bench and get him 50 shots that game. Right. You want to keep the ball in James Harden's hands, Chris Paul, uh, uh, possibly Carmelo, if he's if he's showing signs of being hoodie metal this, this season. We'll see <laughs> as the Rockets get together and play. But that, focus your offense through your be best players. That is going to be really interesting out there in Houston. Sorry, didn't mean to, didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh, not at all. There's so many interesting stories about the NBA this year. And that's the one thing I, that I do love about our game is that each team, you can play differently. You can play to their strengths and the game will reward you for that. But if if, if you don't know a team's strengths, uh, just simply trying to take the best shots you can take, it, it, it'll, it, it'll do wonders for your offensive game. I love how you mentioned the percentages right it's like analytics like everything else now everything is about analytics it's not about the one shot it's about the 46 shots and the yes. percentages of those shots and if you keep doing the right thing 
more often than not, over the long haul, chances are you're going to be more successful than if you're not. That's that's kind of hard to say in video games, though, right? Because we just want to get to the ho- we just want to get to the hoop and dunk it, right? Like being patient is a is a virtue that I don't think you you find in a lot of sports video game guys, right? Now, you know, so it's such good advice, but sometimes I really just want to drive to the hole, shove the guy out of my way, and slam. <laughs> well, that's still available to you, Rich. One thing I would I would say to you is that. Uh, the flip screen mechanic that we have in our game is your friend to create even more openings for the pick and roll. So you call for the screen, the defender's going to do whatever he's going to do. Then you press in, I believe, on that left stick, and he's going to flip his screen direction. So you're going to mess up their pick and roll defense by simply switching the screen, and you're going to get to the basket a lot more if you do that. But beware of the rotations. OG has those guys rotating, so more than likely you have to stop at 15 feet sometimes. But you'll be able to get to the basket on occasion using the flip screen. I mean, really, let's let's be honest. That's what NBA 2K19 5-on-5 is. It's just the battle between you and Scott. That's what it's come down to. He's the defense. <laughs> you're the offense. I mean, that's really what we're talking about here, isn't it? I mean, in essence, it is. But what we found is that if we work together on both sides of the ball, we can create a more balanced experience. And that's where we really focus this year. But it is true that, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> it is true that, you know, I used to try to sl- slip stuff in that he might not see. So I could be sure that we had the advantage and he would do the same thing defensively. So what we did was we started putting all our cards on the table, Rich. That's <laughs> fantastic. And so, you know, I would show him this and I'd be like, Can, are you guys having uh, a problem defending this? He would be like, yeah, but we're going to come with this. You know, do you have an answer for that? And so what we wanted wanted to try to reproduce is that thing where great offense always beats great defense, right? So the offense always has the last opportunity to answer, but you have to come up with that answer. You have to figure out what the, you know, what, what the answer key is to that particular obstacle that the defense is providing. So because of the amount of uh, just hoops knowledge that Scott has, he's a really knowledgeable guy. And I know a little bit myself. There's so much depth and layers to our game. Like you were saying earlier, I just want to get to the rim and dunk, right? But how long are you going to keep playing if that's the key to playing every single game, right? And so we wanted every team to present a different challenge, both offensively and defensively. And I'm not saying we're there today, but we're much further than I think anybody else has been when you're in terms of AI offense and defense. And our game just has a certain level of depth that you can feel. Even if you don't know all the X's and O's, you know that they just did something. You know what I mean? And that something is different than Milwaukee did. And that, that something is different than the 76ers did. And that just really gets us going. And like I said, there's so much more in front of us that we feel like we can do as a team. Like, you know, uh, people talk some, uh, at times people talk about how talented our team is. And, and, and I think we do have one of the most talented development teams there is out there, period. Right. But we're starting to really hit our stride together. Everybody's starting to understand what this person is really good at and take that feedback and incorporate that into what you're doing. And so our team is getting stronger. It's like the more we do the impossible, the less impossible the impossible seems, if that makes any sense. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. I mean, not not to compare 
my team to yours because I'm not. But as far as like, you know, when I look at what the team at Out of the Park Developments, the group that we put together, the difference in what we were doing three years ago versus what we're doing now as a team, as we've learned different things is staggering. So then you take that sort of concept, just like anything, right? The longer you work together, the longer you, you, you play a game together, the longer you, you spend time together, you're getting it to know that. Man, it really, I, you can see that, you can really see that coming together at scale with what yeah. you guys are doing. And that's, yeah. it's, and what it's also great to hear, like some people, I don't know if they would want to hear, but I think, I think it's fantastic to hear that there's still so much more that you have in front of you. It's not a criticism of the game today. It's merely like, Hey, what we put out today is the best thing that we can do right now, but wait till, you know, you see some of the other ideas that we're cooking as we continue to make this, this is a platform at this point, right? It's not a single game. Absolutely. Absolutely rich. Like uh, we're so hungry. Like, Sometimes, you know, you have to remember that I come in at this thing as a fan of games and a fan of 2K. And then to be working with these people that, you know, I would see, oh, Rob Jones wrote this article or, you know, he did this interview. I'm watching or Mike, uh, uh, Mike Wong is, you know, he's showing videos he's doing. And now I'm working hand in hand with these people. It's it it is awesome, Rich. Like every day I, I, I almost can't I almost can't believe it. But I say that again to say that they're hungry, Rich. These people are hungry for not only success in the game, but we want to make a great product. I don't know of any other game that came out and sold 10 million that came back with the upgrades to their game the very next year that we did. You know what I mean? Like, you don't do that unless you're hungry to be great. I believe it. The proof is there. And, and, and that, that, that drives me, man. Like, you know, when, when we're, when, when we're releasing information and Benish is giving his, his breakdown on what his team did, I'm fired up, Rich. I don't want to let my part of the game, let, let him down. You know what I'm saying? And I think everybody's like that. You're like, I'm amazed at what Benish did. I want him to be amazed at what our team did, you know, or what Mike is doing or what Zach is doing or what Jesse's doing, uh, you know, uh, and we all have that mentality. And uh, the thing that 2K does, it's really special. And I know that's kind of self-serving to say that, but, you know, uh, if there was no 2K, I think gaming in general would be worse, you know, uh, because uh, we may not always do it right, but we push the envelope. You know, we we throw everything and the kitchen sink in in every game and we don't hold anything back. And I think that's it, it, I'm just amazed by that, by the, the the work ethic and the drive that this team has. Well, all right. So we can't talk about NBA 2K19 without at least talking about VC. So you, you got you got a little VC talk in you there, sir? I, I got a little bit rich, but I just want to state for the record, we can talk about 2K without talking about VC. We can do that. <laughs> You're, you mean that is allowed? I didn't think it, so. It's okay. not against the rules, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk a little VC. So I got the I got the um, the LeBron James edition. So with with that comes uh, I think a hundred thousand dollars worth of VC. Yes. And uh, I started off my my player, went through the prelude, loved, loved, loved the, the prelude, thought it was fantastic. But uh, then when uh, I got through that and I allocated all my VC, I put it on all the different stats and attributes and mixed and matched. And my guy was at a like a 76. And I'm thinking, man, that's 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 kind of low. Is is that is, is that fair? Is that like what what? 
what do you think about about that and and you know and just that whole sort of process all right. I, I want to preface this by saying this is Nino Samuel Desar's opinion. <laughs> I am not speaking for the company on this. But you know what? Honestly, as a gamer, I can relate and say and feel I could see how people can feel like that's a little low. You know, that's a little low to start off with. I would counterbalance that by saying that we're giving away more VC in more areas and more ways than we ever have before. Okay. And I think, you know, it, we have people that look at this stuff and look at user feedback and they're trying to find that right balance. And I'm not saying that we found it now, but I am saying that we listen to our community. And I think that when people look at 2K19, you can see clear differences where we tried to make changes, you know, and, and maybe we don't have the right balance now, but that's something we'll continually look at. Well, you know, and that's the funny thing is I don't know if it's the right balance or not. It feels light, but on the other hand, Right now, I've got a target. I want to improve my guy, and, and I'm going to go through the grind. And I know a couple of years ago, the grind wasn't quite there for me. So uh, I'm hoping that this year, going through that grind, right, and, and improving my player remains fun and entertaining. And and that's again, I I mean, like you say, it, it's a balance, right? What's the balance? So you're 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 you feel it sounds like that there you're you're getting closer to a point where the balance is there and you're always looking at it so that sounds like where where your where your head is on this right now right yeah that's that's where i'm at and you know we have so many users and what's really hard to balance are the guys and girls that are going to get this game and play for 48 hours straight versus the people that are going to play for a couple hours a day right it's hard to put them all in the same box and say okay these settings and these the, you know the, this amount of vc this works for everybody the right. truth is is that's probably not the case right right so you don't really want somebody finishing your game in a day right i mean you know you don't want that but then you have the other side of the people saying hey i don't like it when people can just buy an 85 right Right. So you maybe you lower that down a little bit. So then, you know, now everybody can kind of play and try to compete. So, as I said, you know, it, it, there's no magic formula to it. Right. You know, at, at all. But I know that we have people that are listening. And, and that's one thing we try to do. I think sometimes people say we listen to our community too much. If you listen to Twitter, <laughs> you know, they tell us don't make those changes that all those people are recommending that you make. Yeah. Just leave the game alone. Yeah. So I think we're, you know, we're in it. One thing I do believe, Rich, is that. When people play our game, they know there's more than $60 worth of value mm. in that game at a time when other games are getting rid of their uh, 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 single player franchise That's modes. We point. have four. Good point. You know what I mean? And yep. so and, and, and I believe you had said it. I think it was you, Rich, that when we first did the story, you were like, I don't think they're going to do this, redo this every year. That's right. You know, and, but we did, That's you right. know, and so I, I think that if if our community is willing to give us leeway, it's because at the back of their minds, they know there's more than $60 worth of content in that game. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. On the other hand, I'm thoroughly enjoying everything that I'm doing. Now, I'm only, you know, really into the season, uh, you know, a, a game or two. So really all I've done is truly finish the prelude. Uh, but man, I've enjoyed it immensely. What, for, for like, how much, how little did you have to do with the prelude? Are you simply, I don't mean to use the word simply. Are you just like you see it when everybody else sees it sort of a thing? Or like are you intimately involved in that? Like we know that you do a lot in the five on five, but how much are you involved in like the single player stuff? And then maybe also like the, the park and the pro-am, those other modes that are obviously so popular in NBA 2K. 
Yeah, well, we have a really big team and we have a part, portion of our team that works exclusively on my career. Uh, the, when I, what I do touch for that is some of the gameplay elements when you played uh, Han Chi or different parts of the uh, of the story that the gameplay needs to support. We make sure that those AI players play to their capabilities. So that's one thing that we do do. And I try to stay out of the story during the development period so that it's fresh for me. So I'll play the game so that I can check out how the AI is playing, but I don't do it. I skip all the story. <laughs> I don't look at any of that so that it's fresh for me when the game actually comes out. And uh, on, on the park side, anytime you're playing against AI players in the park or the 3v3, et cetera, uh, you know, uh, that happens to fall in, in our side of the AI box where we will try to get them to play a little looser, a little bit faster. Uh, and, you know, that's something that, that, uh, as we continue to move forward, we'll be able to hone in on and really give the the park AI uh, players their own personality and identity. So, is it different uh, designing for that? You know, the three on three stuff, and, and it is okay. How different? It is, and how do you handle that? And what have you been learning as you've been doing it? Because that's not something I would imagine that you sort of show up with a knowledge of like you do with the NBA. Yeah, it, it's definitely different, but there are some things, and I, I can't say too much because some of this is going to affect my design for next year, but going, the purest form of basketball is actually 3v3, okay? You can do, and even strategically, and that's going to inform what we end up doing a lot in 5v5. So I can't say too much more on that, but... The, the working on the 3v3 really purified some things. It really elevated some things that I needed to look at for the core part of our 5v5 offensive game. And that's going to have a big impact on, on some of the things that we do moving forward. So sometimes by looking at what you do in a separate light under different circumstances and reveal more opportunities for growth in the main part of the game. And that's what it, that's what it has done for me thus far. So if, if you enjoy playing in the park in 3v3, uh, uh, we got a lot of exciting things to look forward to at, on the AI side for that moving forward. I'm very excited about some things. Nice. I'd like on. to hear that. So let's talk a little bit more about uh, the SimNation. As I mentioned, you're the president. You guys have been doing your thing in various forms for a while. I think recently you started a new season, if that's the right way to put it. And uh, you and uh, another uh, somebody else who, who I've just been following and watching, you know, his success in awe, Nelson Blake. You know what yes. he's been doing? My goodness. Books. Congratulations to him. Um, what What are the big topics? Right. Because, you know, <laughs> you put yourself out there in that show. I like they don't all back what they think good bad and everything in between so like what are what 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 are the big topics of conversation on sim nation well on sim nation you know i like to be out there rich i like to know exactly what people are saying about the game how they feel about the game and i want to hear about it from people that spend a lot of time playing that game and so as you as you said as you noted i am out there <laughs> and you get that feedback right away uh and so whatever's hot in the community at the time we usually try to talk about on sim nation you know whatever whatever the current theme is and, and it almost changes week by week right uh or, or if let's say mike puts out a tuning we will talk about, do you like the tuning? Do you not? Should we have done that? Should we, you know, just getting ideas and feedback and just getting communication going. And, uh, you know, the entire simulation has been fantastic at, at helping me to have a place where I can kind of let my hair down, right? 
and 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 talk to them directly and get feedback directly. But that's only because of the quality of the people that are out there in Sim Nation, Rich. I love that. Now, when when you guys was there something particular that you know the Sim Nation wanted to see from NBA Two K nineteen, for example, like was there an overarching objective or set of themes that that you sort of knew was going to please you know those really core folks with NBA 2K19? Oh yeah I, I had you know I, I stay in touch with them and and a lot of their concerns are with the AI whether they're playing smart enough whether the AI is varying their offense enough so when I came with the the, the design for series our new series in the game I had a pretty good idea they were going to like that. And in the series AI that goes along with it, making having the AI's ability to make dynamic decisions to run the same action until you stop it, I, I pretty much knew that was right up there, alley. But that's also something that our wider audience can engage in and enjoy from a, a, a competitive uh, standpoint. Because you know nobody wants to play the AI that come down to run one play all game long. You already know what's going to happen. But what gets exciting is when you think you know what they're going to do. And they vary that pattern, right? Right at the instance when you think, I know they're going to make this pass. And they beat you back door. And so there are many areas that we need to improve the AI. I'm aware of that. But our 5v5 AI game, I think it's the best that it's ever been. And I think the intelligence that you see uh, uh, as the AI runs their routes, both offensively and defensively, it's it's miles ahead of where we were at, say, 2K14, 2K15, 2K16. And I think if you look at it as a story, right, let's look at all next gen. I think this story is one of improvement and added depth and added features. And I think we're at a place where we've never been before. That said, there's still so much more to do, Rich, and I'm excited to get in there and do it. All right. One other thing I wanted you to help me out with is I want to pick a I want to pick a, my team or my franchise. Um, and 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 last year I you know I did it with the uh, did it with the the Wizards. The year before that I did it with the Nets. Won the title with uh, both teams, so I'm feeling good about that. Um, what should I do this year? I like to mix it up. Uh, I've discovered I like to mix it up. And I was thinking about the Sixers. They're obviously got to be a fun team uh, to play. Um, I don't want to be like the the Warriors or anything like that. I don't want to be the Lakers, although I love LeBron James. Uh, I just I don't. I, I think that's just that's I don't know. There, there's no one else but him really on the team, and and I think I don't think I, I think would get Lakers the, fans would disagree with you, but okay. Well, look, I, I'm not an expert. Who, who is there? Who's good on the like? Maybe I should do the Lakers. Like, do I have a shot if I just play it on standard? You know, AI. Uh, can I just bulldoze my way with the Lakers, you know, and, and LeBron to a title, you know, with the Warriors and the Rockets and and, uh, you know, the it's, other. It's going to be rough. I mean, do, do you like expectations or do you like being the underdog? Let's start there. I wasn't expecting to win the title with the uh, with the Wizards last year. So I but I want to know that I can get to it in a year or two maximum. So, okay. you know, I, I'm. But again, what about. A, what about a team like the Boston Celtics? Ah, uh, see, now you're talking because that's actually where my AI went, like my my career player. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, I because well, they were offering the most money. So, <laughs> I'm like, hey, that's where I'm going. Rich, now I prioritize playing time. That's what I I need to get on the floor. I'll earn the money later. I, no, I want the money now because I want to dunk. 
<laughs> over and over again, right? So, so yeah, maybe the Celtics are good. My buddy Pete would 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 love slash hate that. But I mean, that's you know that they're gonna destroy the East this year, right? So I got that going for me. That's yeah, a but good it, idea. you know, it shouldn't be a cakewalk with Toronto. Philadelphia's there, you know. But but that's a team that if you happen to run into Golden State in the finals, you'll have enough firepower to compete. That's a it good won't point. be because you don't have enough firepower. Because I can tell you this: regardless of level, you're gonna need all the buckets you can to beat the Warriors in 2K19. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's fair warning. That's good to know. So how would I I mean, you know, I'm not a Celtics expert. Obviously, they got Kyrie, right? They're getting uh, they're getting a couple guys back. They're getting Hayward back. Kyrie, Hayward, Horford. I mean, that's absolutely stacked. Yeah. No, I know they're good. I know they're good. I'm just not super familiar with the roster, but it sounds like I'm about to get super familiar with that roster because that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the Celtics. They have a lot of young players, uh, uh, Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown. They're young, rich, they're athletic, they've got experience. They got Kyrie at the point, and if you love running pick and roll, you're going to run and run that with him and Horford. That's going to keep you in a lot of games. You can fade with Horford. He can roll to the basket. They got a lot of quick guards coming off the bench. I I think you're going to like that, Rich. I I, I really do. I hit the button. I went to my GM. The saga continues because I mentioned I love the ridiculous story. From last year. It's fun, isn't it? It is fun. Why don't people like fun, man? Like, I am shocked at the number of people who are down on that and who are down on the fun spirit of of the my career. We're just having a good time here, people. And by the way, you guys go so far, so much further than anybody else goes in like, you know, having fun and poking fun at people. Like Oh, my God. There were a couple of things. Obviously, what you guys did to Fort Wayne, Indiana, I was blown away by, like, you know, how much fun you had at their expense. Now, you also had some nice things to say about them, too. But you guys went at Fort Wayne in a very interesting way. But then also, like, when uh, when AI gets back, and, and I think it's pretty sure Shaq is at his place. He comes in, and Shaq is there. Yeah. And uh, they sit down and chat. And, like, at one point, you know, Shaq's like, well, you know, you, you can't have that crazy, uh, crazy ego like uh, like Lonzo Ball. I was like, whoa, they're not even naming players. Like, you guys really go for it. But, I mean, you do it in a fun way because as soon as he said it, they both started laughing. That's, that's again, I find it fascinating and, and hysterical. And, and I, I, you, must hear, you must hear a lot of different thoughts on, on that whole spirit of what you guys do with those things. Yeah, I mean, people are always surprised. Uh, uh, little things like uh, I saw somebody see what what, uh, what we put in there for Embiid, that free throw situation where the guy was talking mess to him, and that's in the game where he's running down the floor and he does his shot shot for him. I think my man Kushmir pointed that out. That That's part of having a 2K game, right? It's all the little hidden things. You never know where you're going to find something just to surprise you because, you know, video games is supposed to be about having fun. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, we're all trying to escape something. You know what I mean? And and to get away and to have something pop up that you didn't expect, it just adds to the overall uh, uh, experience that uh, we find. And, and that's just part of the spirit, again, of the company from top to bottom. You know, these people love this game. They love the NBA. They love the, the, the sport of basketball. And they want to represent it the best way they can. I mean, you look at all those historic teams that we have oh. in the game. Oh, I you love know what them. I mean? I love oh. them. We've had multiple conversations about this. It's my favorite thing. I have, 
and I get so much out of the historical stuff. Uh, setting up the custom leagues with just the historical championship teams so they can battle each other over an 82-game season. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. It's fantastic. It's amazing. I love it. Is, it is. One of my favorite things to do is to set up a 16-team playoff all-time tournament, and and I'll pick different teams, oh. and I'll, sometimes I'll mix up East and West, or I'll go all old school in one bracket, all new school in another bracket, but just all these things, you know, you're only limited by your imagination. Something else that I started doing last year, again, recommended for my buddy Pete, um, that really changed my experience in a positive way. You know, we, we have the eternal struggle with sports games, with sports video games, which is getting the stats right. Because yes. when you play a 12-minute quarter game, you're gonna it's going to take an hour, or an hour and 15 minutes. And a lot of us don't have an hour and 15 minutes, but we want to play some games, so you set it to five minutes, right? And then when you set it to five minutes, you can tell the computer all day long, you know, simulate the rest of the games as if they're 12 minutes, but your games are just weird, right? The numbers, yes. the numbers are weird. The games are fine, but the numbers are weird. And like nobody wants to be the guy who's you know got the the who's you know forty games over five hundred and his leading score is averaging thirteen point two a night when the other leading scores is twenty three. That yeah. just ruins it. Doesn't That's no it? fun, right? That's no fun. <laughs> well, I finally again I didn't figure it out, but somebody, my buddy Pete, told me uh, a great way to do that is to set it to twelve minutes. And then simulate to about midway through the third quarter. And then just start playing the game from right there. And at first, I was aghast. I'm like, no, you can't do that. That is not allowed. This is not how we play sports video games. right? We play the whole game. That's what you do. But then I tried it, and it's so great. Not only is it great because the numbers are right and the rotations are right and the, the fatigue is right, but it also is fun to get thrown into a different situation every game. Like one night, I, you're you're going to hop in and it's going to be you're going to have a two point lead, and then you got to figure out what to do with that. Other times you're going to hop in and you're going to be down by ten. Other times you're going to be up by twelve. The fact that not only do you get the right numbers and rotations and fatigue, but you also are given almost different scenarios every night makes makes it so much fun for me. It completely changed the way that I play NBA 2K, and that's how I'm going to do it in, in the my jam mode. It's so fun. I don't know if you've heard of doing that, if you do that all the time, but if you haven't, give it a shot because it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely, Rich. Uh, you know, we have different tools in the game that, that can allow you to get that same thing. Like you can jump into games also. In, uh, uh, in in my league. So you can sim and jump in and jump in. I believe you can jump in and out as well. So any way for you to enjoy the game is great. And another thing that will enhance your experience with the way you're playing is is the takeover feature. Because you, you can come in that game sometimes and some of your best players will be cold. Now you got to scramble and find out how you're going to get buckets. you know, Or maybe you come in and somebody's hot. And maybe it's not the guy that you you normally think uh, of running your offense through. So there's lots of variability. I, I love people that play the game that way also. You, you know, we put all these options in the game because, look, we can't get a thousand people to agree what's the best syrup. We certainly can't get 10 million people to agree on the best way to play a game. So we try to put as many options in there so a user can create their own experience as often as possible. 
I love it. And the game is so big. There's so many different ways to play. What are some other things that you do? Like if you got, you know, you got an hour or two to kill and you're just going to play some NBA 2K, like where do you go? What are the different things that you like to do? You, you mentioned a couple of them. Like what are some of the other ones? Well, uh, I like to hop in the park and I don't have one of those 2K things over my head. I like to get an organic park experience where nobody knows who I am really. So, and I have friends that I play with, so we'll get on and play there. I do do a little pro-am. I dabble in that. Uh, 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 Jordan Rec Center, I'll, I'll be in there. But if I really want to play classic czar hoops, right, I'm locked into some type of my league situation, or I'll create a 16-team playoff, and I'll play through that if I don't have a lot of time, but just a little bit of time. So um, the main thing, you know, I'm a little older gamer, so... Playing with people is cool, but there's nothing as intense as going against the AI for me, which I think has been official since I work on the AI. So I need to spend the most of my time playing it to see where the weakness is, see what's, what works and what doesn't work. But that traditionally is is me, Rich. Like I love, like today, I had about an hour to kill. I was in practice mode, just practicing, practicing my dribbling, tra- practicing flowing from my dribble into my layup. You know, I just I fell in love with 2K games way back at NBA 2K when they had that practice mode and you could go in there and it just seemed like in comparison to other games at the time, like there was an unlimited amount of things that could happen while you're shooting the ball. You know what I mean? Like it didn't seem as scripted. It seemed like, man, I could just sit in this practice mode and shoot these shots for, for hours, you know? And, and sometimes I, I still do that. I'll, I'll go in, I'll pick a player. I'll try to learn his dribble moves. I try to flow from his dribble into his jumper and work on different combinations. And before I know it, I've blown 30, 45 minutes, you know, but I've improved my stick skill and I've improved my understanding of how to use that particular player. Well, I could go on for hours, but I, I, I want to be respectful of your time. I just want to make sure that everybody knows how they can they can find SimNation. What's your schedule? Where can people find it? How do people keep up with what with with what you're doing with the crew? Ah, uh, thanks, Rich. You can find me on Twitter at Dazar D A underscore C Z A R, or just search uh, SimNation or Dazar on YouTube, and you can find us. So we have the Sim Hangout every. I want to say every, but you know. When works gets gets busy, we don't do it on those Fridays. But Friday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, you can find us there, uh, it, it, and uh, we we welcome all people to come and to hang out and to talk and to give your opinion and let us know what you think about the game. The great Czar Nino Samuel, thank you so much for joining us. Let's have you come back on again, you know, Absolutely. not that long from now, and talk some more NBA 2K and maybe some other stuff too going on. What do you say? Uh, anytime, Rich. You have the number. Just hit me up, brother. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Go play NBA 2K19. Everybody, you all know it's great. Go play it for yourself if you haven't. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Special thanks to our sponsor, Nighthawk Pro Gaming by Netgear. Give your gaming PC the bandwidth it deserves. The XR500 is rated the top performing gaming router by PC Gamer. You can trust that this router won't let anything on your network prevent you from having the ultimate gaming experience. Visit netgear.com NPG and learn how you can join the No Lag crew today. And remember, when you support our sponsors, you help make this podcast possible.